I am the way. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I am confident that God is doing something in this place today. I am confident that God has brought you here for a reason. It's not by accident. Amen. Before we had terms like Pentecostal and Christian and apostolic and all these other things, the early church referred to themselves simply as the way. Luke uses the term at least six times in the book of Acts. And the ideal wasn't original with them. It came from the words of Jesus Himself. Jesus said, I am the way. And so they said, we are the way. Because they stayed in the way. The only way. Amen. There, there's, there's not many ways, many roads to God, many roads to heaven. It doesn't matter what popular opinion says. It doesn't matter what you've heard what matters, amen, the, the Word of God is very clear. Jesus was very specific. He said, I am the way. Amen. Not a lot of ways to interpret that simple message. It's just there. I am the way. He's the only way. There's only one way. This gospel message that we preach, it has has three components. We've talked about these last few weeks. Over the last month, we've kind of hit on these a little bit. And I, I feel like God's going to do something in this place today. I'm going to kind of reiterate a few things that I've already said, but God woke me up last night. And there's a specific message. I, I don't know, it may be for one person in this place today, but I'm telling you, you cost me sleep last night. Amen. And so I'm going to get it off my chest, and I'm going to speak what God has given me today. And uh, if, you, if you really want to be free, if you really want to have freedom, and you want to have the power of God in your life, please just listen real close to what I'm about to say today, and respond. Amen? Respond. The power of the Word is not in just the speaking of it, but in the responding to it. There's got to be an agreement. There's got to be a spoken uh, declaration, and then there's got to be an agreement with it. Amen? That's why we say amen. Because we're saying, so be it. As the Word says, so be it in my life. Amen. I'm so glad to see all of you that are here today. Some of you I haven't seen for a few weeks. Some of you I haven't seen for a few years. But I can say without any reservation in my heart today, I love each and every one of you. I don't have anything against anybody in this building. I'm going to ask God right now to deliver the word and, and the spirit of the word that he gave to me last night, along with what I'm going to speak to you today. And God is going to do something special in here today. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for what you are already doing in this place. Your presence is so rich in here today. And God, I feel you in such a special way. Lord, I knew last night when you woke me up that you were going to do something special today. I knew, God, that it was going to be a special day. And Lord, I'm trusting you, God, because these are just lips of clay. This is just my, my humanity, God. There's nothing special about me. 
But God, you are able to do exceeding abundantly, God, further than I could ask or even think. And Lord, today in this house, I want you, God, to minister the spirit of the word that you gave me last night. And God, set those free in this house today. Help us to respond to your word, God, and let us see what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody in the house say, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Amen. 1 John 5, 7 through 8 tells us there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. There are three that bear witness, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree in one. There were three elements involved in Israel's deliverance from Egypt on the night of the Passover. There was blood on the doorpost. There was the Red Sea. And then there was the pillar of cloud and fire. Blood, water, and spirit. We see it in the Old Testament. There were three pieces of furniture involved in atonement in the tabernacle. Uh, There were three that were involved in worship, so to speak. Brazen altar, the brazen laver, and the Ark of the Covenant. If you've ever had a a, a Bible study with me or somebody in this church, you've probably heard about those pieces of furniture. The brazen laver, the laver of water where the priest would wash, the altar where the sacrifices were made, a type of repentance, and the Ark of the Covenant that was in the Holy of Holies where the Spirit of God dwelt. So there were in the Old Testament these typologies of the New Testament salvation. And Paul and Peter each said that the gospel has three elements. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Uh, Paul said to the church at Corinth, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Those three elements, death, burial, and resurrection. Acts 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the blood, the water, and the Spirit. Amen. The original altar call that we see made in the New Testament church here in the book of Acts contains all three of those elements. Step one is repentance. In the Greek, we find that word means metaneo or metanei, and it is an interchange of attitude leading to an outward change of behavior. That's why John the Baptist said, bring forth therefore fruits or evidence, meat for repentance. In the Hebrew, if you read the the same word for repentance in Hebrew, it's the word shub. It's found over a thousand times in the Old Testament, 164 times in a covenant sense. It means a turning away from the previous life. The root word for this word means to destroy the house. We talked about that a few weeks ago. To destroy the house, to leave nothing behind. That's what repentance truly does. It leaves nothing behind. I don't want the old life anymore. I'm tired of the way that I've lived. I'm tired of the the way that I've displeased my God. I don't want to live that way anymore. Romans 6 verses 6 and 7, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Our old man, the old life is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin for he that is dead is freed from sin. Amen. 
You cannot be tempted if you are dead. Well, when I repent, I'm applying the death of Jesus Christ to my life. I'm asking for the blood of Jesus to be upon my life. That's what repentance is truly all about. And then there is baptism. Step two in the the altar call was baptism. And the altar call for baptism was the last command of Jesus. And He said unto them, Go, Mark 16, 15 and 16, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. That's Jesus' words. Those are not my words. This is the last command of Jesus and the first command of the church. Luke 24, 47 to 49, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. That's the Holy Ghost. But tear ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Do you notice even in this commission that repentance and remission of sins, which is washing away of sins, which is Baptism in the name of Jesus, amen, was preached in Acts chapter 2. And then he said, and I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to send the promise. Amen. You're going to receive the promise. You are going to receive the gift. Amen. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Not in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He said it very clearly, in the name of Jesus Christ. I, I'm not, look, I'm not bashful about this at all, and I'm not being rude or nasty. But if you were baptized, and they baptize you in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, your baptism is not yet complete. You say, why do you say that? Because Jesus said, baptizing in the name. Every time somebody is baptized in the book of Acts, they're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's two critical things about baptism that we've got to know. The mode, what is done, how are we to baptize, and the formula. Okay, so there's two things, what is done and what is said when we are baptized. All right, the baptism must be done by immersion in water. I, I could show you scripture after scripture, there's no place in the scripture where anybody gets sprinkled. No place where anybody gets water thrown on them or water poured over them. It doesn't happen in the scripture. Every time you see the Greek word for baptism in the Scripture, baptism is the Greek word baptizo. It means to dip, immerse, or fully bury. To make fully wet. You have to go all the way down in the water. When you get baptized, you, you get baptized just like you are being buried in the dirt, right? We don't bury people just by sprinkling them with dirt. We bury them by putting them all the way under the ground. Come on, somebody. So when we're baptized, Greek word baptizo, fully wet, to dip, immerse, or bury in the name of Jesus, you have to go all the way down under the water in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
And so that is how it is done. That is how it is done. It is done by immersion in water. Amen. They came up out of the water. Jesus went down into the water. There's so many scriptures. Don't, don't, I don't even have time to go into it all. It's not supposed to be Bible study today, but, but I'm telling you, that's what's done. Immersion. That's the only way people got baptized. I don't care what Hollywood showed you. I don't care what your friends told you or your, 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 your great aunt Sally said. It was always done by immersion in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you can show me, you can show me in Scripture where they sprinkled somebody with water or where they said, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm not talking about when Jesus said baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm saying when they actually baptized somebody for the first time. Never, ever did it happen by them saying, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they knew what the name was. They knew what the name was. Amen. And there are spirits trying to rise up in this place right now because the devil doesn't want you to hear this. The devil, the devil has done everything he can to sidetrack you from the name. Well, it's just the same. It's just semantics. That is a load of hogwash. Come on, somebody. When you sign your check, how do you sign your check? Do you sign it son, brother, husband? No, you don't use titles when you, but, but those are who you are. But that's not how you sign your check. When you sign your check, you have to sign your name. Why? Because there's authority in the name. There's power in the name. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there any other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We've got to use the name. Amen. Paul said, I'm thankful that I didn't baptize. He said, look, we are baptizing the name of the one who died for us. Who died for us? Jesus, right? Jesus is the Father. He is the Son. He is the Holy Ghost. When you say Jesus, you've said all three. Come on, somebody. There's not three separate persons. We know that there are three, uh, multi, there, there's a multiplicity or a, 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 an attribute, uh, 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 several attributes of God. But we don't, we don't say, look, uh, we're going to separate out that now this is the Father and then this is the Son and this is the Holy Spirit. And they're three separate persons. That's not what the Word says. The Word says that they are one. Amen. And some people say, well, I have a hard time understanding that. I have a hard time believing that. Well, look, every time when Jesus said, he said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They said, oh, I don't understand. How, how, are, how, how have I seen the Father? He said, look, you've been with me this, this long and you still don't know who the Father is? Amen. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen. I and my Father are one. Amen. There's no, no scripture in the Bible that says God is three persons. There's, it's not in there. You can't find the word Trinity in the Bible. It's not in there. I, I, I know I'm busting on some of y'all's theology right now, but you got to understand what I'm saying to you. This is the Word of God. It's not my words. It's not this church's words. It's the Word of God. If you can find Trinity, if you can find people baptized, in titles, then go ahead and do it that way. But if it doesn't say it in the Bible, then let's do it the way the Bible says it. Because it's the only way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And when I'm baptized, I apply the burial of Jesus Christ to my life. 
I now have access to how Jesus Christ was buried. I can be buried. Amen. Remember how repentance is destroying the house? Well, you could say baptism means drown the army. That's what they did in the Old Testament. That's what they did at the Red Sea. It compares our baptism to Israel crossing the Red Sea while Pharaoh's army was drowned. That's what 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2 says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Look, I'm not making this stuff up, folks. I know you might have never heard this before, but I'm just sharing you with, with you what the Word of God says. Once Israel crossed the sea, they crossed the Red Sea. Pharaoh and the armies of Egypt couldn't get through the water. And when you're baptized, the army of the past sins can't get to you through the water to condemn you anymore. Because now the blood of Jesus Christ. I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying today. The blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't let them through. All the things that were held against you, all the things, it, come on somebody, everything that was against you, everything that's been written up about you, it's all washed away in the name of Jesus by the blood that He shed on Calvary. You want to get rid of your past sins, you want to get rid of those things, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pause here because this is where I feel. I just feel God right here. This is where I gotta, I've got to stop, okay? I've got to take a time out from the regularly scheduled broadcast. Last night, I was, I was laying in bed, and I, I thought I was going to sleep, and I wasn't. I started thinking about some things that some people in my life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this without really, you know, breaking down too much. But there are some people in my life, uh, I'm, I'm going to be very transparent with you. I know I'm a pastor. I know that I'm a man of God. And I know that God has a calling on my life. But that doesn't mean that I'm perfect. And there have been some situations in my life that I have not handled perfectly. There have been some things that I'm ashamed to tell you, I wish that I could do over. There have been some relationships in my life. And I've, I've tried to stay true to God. I've tried to make amends. I've tried to do things right. But every once in a while, and it happened to me last night, I, I start thinking about some of these other individuals. And last night, I started thinking about some of the things. Maybe it was I had seen something on Facebook. Maybe somebody had mentioned something to me. I don't know. But in my mind is these, these people. And I, I'm, God is my witness. I started having bad feelings. I, I did. I'm, I'm, I told you I was going to be very transparent. This is, look, most of you wouldn't do this. You would just, just skip over this part. But I, I started feeling like, well, I hope you get what's coming to you. That's how I felt. And I thought, what is wrong with me? Why am I feeling like this? What, what, I, thought, I thought this was buried. I thought this was taken care of. And so I started praying, God, I forgive that person. God, please forgive me for feeling badly towards them right now. God, I pray that you would clean up my heart and my spirit and 
God, if there's any, anything in me against these people, God, I want them to be successful. I want them to be blessed. I want them to have your favor on their life. I know that they did some things and, and there, was some, there was some interaction between us that wasn't so pleasant. And every once in a while, my humanity jumps up and says, boy, you ought to just, you know. Sorry if that's too transparent for you. And I started to, I, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm already awake now, and I started to think, God, why am I having these feelings again? And then my flesh said, you're okay to have these feelings. You remember what they did. You remember the lies that were there. You remember how things were dealt unjustly. And it's okay. It's okay for you to feel like you feel. And I said, no, no, it's not. What, what is going on with me? And so I started praying, God, help me to forgive. God, help me to let go. God, what is this that's going on in me right now? And I'm, I'm, look, I, I'm, I've never heard this in my life. I, I checked with my dad before the service today. I said, Dad, I don't know, have you ever heard this? And he, he said he hadn't heard it either. And I, I've never heard it preached if God didn't give it to me, He didn't give it to me. But it makes a whole lot of sense with the Scripture, okay? And God said to me, my yoke is easy. He said, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And I said, God, what are you saying to me? This is what he said. My yoke is forgiveness. And I said, God... I don't understand. So I started reading. I started, and he said, I had to forgive everyone. I never did anything. And I forgave everyone. No matter what, what happened, I forgave and I was kept on forgiving. And, and I realized the yoke that some of us don't want to take is the yoke of forgiveness. We'd rather hold on to things, we'd rather carry hurts and grudges. Maybe it's carry grudges with our family. Maybe it's with somebody who's hurt us or somebody who's done something to us. And, and we hold on to that. And he said, wait, wait, wait. Do you understand why you are weary and heavy laden? Because you're carrying all this. All this sin, all this weight, all these grudges, all these hard feelings that you were never meant to carry. And he said, Come. Take my yoke. Learn of me. Would you, would you look at how I had to handle everything? Would you watch my life and see that there was no, no guile found in me? There was nothing that kept me from being who I was supposed to be? I had to forgive. And I said, God, I thought I'd forgiven everybody. I thought this was over. I thought this was buried. 
And now here's where you come in. God said this was not just for you. So somebody in here today, maybe many people in here today, the reason you're not free, the reason you are weary and heavy laden, the reason why things never seem to ever get better and you get, you're so frustrated and you don't know why is because you have not learned forgiveness. Repentance is, God, forgive me, I'm sorry, I'm turning. But there's got to be a forgiveness that takes place. Because here's the deal. He said, if we don't forgive, he can't forgive. So I can, this is what I figured out, I can't truly repent until I'm willing to forgive. I don't know who you are today, and I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I come to you in the fear of the Lord today, and I'm telling you, this is your answer right here. His yoke is easy. His yoke is easy. You want to have relief from all that stress, from all that hurt, from all that pain, from everything that you're carrying around right now? Some of you wonder why I, 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 wonder why I can't get the Holy Ghost. Do you know why? Because you choose to hold on to some things that you aren't supposed to hold on to. If I don't forgive, I can't be forgiven. Some of you got, you got grudges that are years old. You're, you're mad at everybody. And you, you, you're, just, you're like, you know, Pastor, I wish you'd just move on because, you know, I, I, I forgive them. And again, like I said, I thought I had until God brought it up. And then I started having these feelings and I thought, what is wrong with you? This is something that we have to do on a regular basis. We don't just forgive somebody one time. Oh, I forgive you. Now every time I see you, I've got to forgive you. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah, we don't like that part. But Jesus, Jesus, do I really have to forgive my brother? I say to you, not just seven times, but seven times 70 a day. I don't know if y'all, you, you, you don't understand that, man. I, 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 I don't know if I'm, I'm there yet, and, and I, I think that I, I've forgiven, and it's okay. And then sometimes I see somebody, or I see something, and something rises back up in me, and something's not right, and I have to go back, and I say, God, I forgive them. God, I forgive. God, would you forgive me for what I've done? Because I'm not good either. I'm not right either. God, would you forgive me as I forgive them? There are some of you that you will leave here today set completely free, and not just because you went down in the waters of baptism, but because before you did, you said, God, I am setting them free. I release them from any, I, I don't need any retribution, I don't need, any, I don't need them to do anything, I forgive them and I release them today, and God's going to start lifting that weight. And you're going to start, come on somebody, you're going to take that yoke. I understand it's not easy and it's not always desirable, but you're going to take that yoke upon you. Amen. And when that yoke comes on you, you're going to find out as you are forgiving. 
Come on, somebody. As you are forgiving, as you are letting go, you're going to find out how easy and how light that is. I'm I'm talking to somebody here today that when you start to learn forgiveness and you start to be able to operate your life in forgiveness every day on a regular basis, you just keep on forgiving and the power of God enables you to let go of these things. You're going to find out how you can have rest for your soul. Man, it feels good to get that off my chest. I had to say it. I don't, I don't know who you are, but boy, I, I hope you listen to me today. Because that bitterness, that grudge, that anger, that, that stuff will eat you up. You, I don't know if you're mad at me. You might be mad at me. Maybe you're not mad at me. You're just, I'm just the object of your, uh, you know, your anger right now because I'm speaking about it. The devil doesn't want you to get free of that. He wants to keep you in bondage to your anger and to your shame and to your guilt and the pain that you have. And you wear your pain like a badge of honor if you knew what happened to me. Well, look at the cross. We, we don't have anything to compare. There's no comparison. When we say, okay, well, uh, Jesus, you took all of my shame. You took all of my suffering. You took all my guilt when I was at my lowest point. And can I just be a little bit more direct with some of you? Some of you, it's not even somebody else. It's you you need to forgive. The only reason why some of you are not becoming everything that God wants you to be is you won't forgive yourself. The devil brings it up every day and you just fall into that trap every day. Well, woe is me. Look what I did. I'm a bad person. I failed my kids. I failed my family. I failed my wife. I failed whatever. And you, you just... You just keep on keeping on. And God says, look, I forgave you. Why won't you forgive you? You can't become whole and who God wants you to be unless you forgive you. Amen. Amen. We were excited when I was talking about repentance and baptism. I mean, we were... We were Y'all were shouting and getting with me. I started talking about forgiveness. Y'all got real quiet. I'm just going to speak about the elephant in the room right now. Jesus, you must have touched on a nerve. Look, I'm not a super spiritual, kooky kind of person, okay? You'll find that about me. I love to have fun. I'm a normal guy. And I don't say God spoke to me, but I'm telling you, last night God spoke to me. And whoever you are that needs to be set free, take his yoke. Take his yoke. Take forgiveness today. Amen. God, I want to forgive. I want to love. I want to let go. There were two baptisms for Israel. The baptism by water through the sea and the baptism by the Spirit or under the cloud. Both of the baptisms were necessary for them and both baptisms are now necessary for you and I. When Jesus was asked by Nicodemus in John chapter 3 uh, how he, they could have eternal life, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus even says a water and spirit baptism are required. 
If it had not been for the cloud of, of uh, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire resting on the tabernacle, the center of their lifestyle of worship, Israel would have never made it through the wilderness to the promised land. They had to have God guiding them. I got to stop. Somebody, you just need to reach over. Somebody reach over. Reach over to your neighbor. Somebody needs to pray. God wants to set you free right now before I even get through this service. Reach over to your neighbor. Come on. If you feel like God's speaking to you about something that's going on, I want you just to pray over them right now. Come on, I can't do this without God. This is His, this is His deal. Amen. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. Some, some of you, you, you can't wait until we finish this, or you just need to start praying forgiveness right now. You need to start releasing it right now. Come on, right now. Let it go. God, I'm going to turn it over to you. God, I forgive them for whatever it is. Come on, call it out. God, I forgive them for whatever it is. I'm asking you, God, to help me, for, to forgive me as I forgive them. Don't, don't let me hold their trespasses against them. Don't let me hold their sins against me, against them, God. Hallelujah. Help me to forgive and help me to let go right now. Hallelujah. Let me let go of this grudge. Let me let go of this hurt. Come on, there's deep hurts in this house. There's deep pain right now in this house you can be set free from. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, God. I turn it over to you right now. Come on, somebody, call out to Him. I turn it over to you, God. I turn it over to you. Every hurt, every pain, every injustice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I'm not up here to gather a crowd. I'm up here trying. I, I want to see God set somebody free today. Amen. Without the Holy Ghost, you don't have any power to live for God. That's why some of us struggle so much. That's why uh, we, 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 can't, we can't do it on our own. We, we can't be who God wants us to be on our own. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. I, I can't be who God wants me to be without His power. I just can't make it. I, there's no way that I can do it. They had the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. They would have never made it to the promised land without it. And I can't make it without the Holy Ghost in my life. Pastor, I, I just don't know if I believe or I agree with all the stuff that you're saying. Well, I, I would challenge you. Amen. Go through the Word of God and find where, amen, when they were, were, were promised the Holy Ghost, that God filled them with the Holy Ghost. Destroy the house. Drown the army and follow the fire. Follow the fire. Romans 8.11 says, If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. You need His Spirit. When I receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, I apply the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in my life. Amen. When I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, I now have the power that Jesus Christ had that raised Him from the dead. This is not my words. This is what the Bible tells me. 1 Corinthians 6.14 And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up, up us by His own power. Amen. It's not just Jesus that gets raised. Whenever we have His power on the inside of us, we get raised to newness of life. There's a lot of churches that celebrate Easter, but they totally miss the point of the resurrection. 
It was so you and I could be raised up. It was so that you and I could receive the power. It wasn't just for the future after our physical death, but right now out of our spiritual death. Do you know that there are those that are breathing, living and breathing today in this house physically, but spiritually they are as dead as dead can be. Some of us are dead because we won't forgive and we won't let go of things. Some of us are dead because we choose to live in our sin. We choose to continue to to sin and not turn our life over to God. But can I tell you today, you can be raised up out of spiritual death. You can have power to live for God. You can have power over sin. You Come on somebody, you can have power over everything that's coming against you right now because the Holy Ghost is your power. Luke 24, 49, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tear ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say, I've got the power. Acts 1.8, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Amen. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You shall receive power. Amen. That is what the Holy Ghost is. The resurrection of Jesus was supernatural. The evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. Can, can, can somebody, can anybody uh, agree with me that when Jesus rose from the dead, that was supernatural? Can you agree with me on that? Amen. So why do you think that the part of the gospel that we participate in wouldn't be supernatural? They can crucify Him, repentance. They can bury Him. We can be buried in the water of baptism. That's our choice. But the Spirit and the power of God is what raised Jesus from the dead. That's what happens when we get the Holy Ghost. The Spirit and the power of God raises us up from death to life. Amen. So the evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is something that you will do supernaturally. You will speak in tongues. You will speak in a language that you have never learned. And, and before you say it, you don't need to or you don't have to, I will say, guess what? You get to. If you haven't ever done it, you ought to do it today. Some of you are thinking, but I don't think I can. I've tried to do it before. That's exactly right. You can't do it. You have to let God speak through you. It's a supernatural thing. You just have to quit overanalyzing it. You just have to quit trying to make it all make sense. It's not going to fit in your human parameters because it is supernatural. Amen. When you feel God trying to speak through you and the power of God comes upon you, you have to surrender your mind and your mouth to God and allow Him to... Come on, somebody. you got to allow Him speak through you today. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Every Christian in your Bible received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues 
and other tongues at the moment of their infilling. Acts 2, 1 through 4, when the, when the church began on the day of Pentecost, the disciples spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me just stop for our dear Catholic friends, and I'm not being rude or mean. For our dear Catholic friends, both Peter and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were in the upper room and spoke in tongues. Catholics should speak in tongues too. This is what the, the Bible says. They were there. Amen. It names them specifically saying they were there and they spoke in tongues. So if it's good enough for Peter and Mary, it's good enough for me. Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8, he saw the evidence when the Samaritans received the baptism of the Holy Ghost by laying on of hands. He said, I want that power. Cornelius' household were Gentiles. They spoke with other tongues when they received the Holy Ghost. Acts 10, 44 to 48. That's how the Jews knew that they had received the Holy Ghost because they heard them speak with tongues. Amen? Paul had this experience in Acts 9, 17 and 18. The Scripture says he spoke in tongues more than anyone in the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. And then... I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a close. I know it's hard to believe. But Acts 19, verses 1 through 6, you see John's disciples who were baptized with the baptism of repentance, they were rebaptized, and when they were rebaptized in the name of Jesus, they spoke with tongues. Isaiah 28, 11 and 12, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Don't be like them. Here, the rest and refreshing is for you. Come on, somebody. you 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 got to let go. you got control wrapped up so tight, and you're just, you, I'm just going to say it like it is. You're such a control freak. You can't let God have control. you got to let go today, and you got to let God. Amen. It was prophesied by Joel in Joel 2, 28 and 29, and it'll come to pass afterwards. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see vision. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens, I will pour out in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Acts 2, 12, they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Acts 2, 16 was the answer, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. When they were speaking in tongues, they said, what is this? Peter said, this is the same thing that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. You're going to see, amen, this come to pass in the last days. I wonder if somebody knows we're in the last days today. Amen. It was prophesied by John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John 7, 38 and 39, Jesus even talked about it himself. He said, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Get this, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. 
John 14, 18, Jesus told his disciples, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. What's the comforter? The Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 1, verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but she shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When Jesus ascended up into heaven, the whole point of the resurrection was Jesus wants to give you resurrection power. That's the whole reason for Easter. That's the whole reason for the resurrection, the Holy Ghost. Amen. If Jesus didn't uh, raise from the dead and he is somewhere in a tomb or he is somewhere hidden away, then this whole thing is just a big hoax. But because Jesus rose from the dead and because of his resurrection power, he wants to give you the Holy Ghost, which is his resurrection power on the inside of you. Amen. In Acts chapter 2, verse 32. Peter said, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. What were they seeing and hearing? People being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. The Holy Ghost is for everyone. Look at your neighbor say, the Holy Ghost is for you. Speaking in tongues is for you. You said the Holy Ghost is for you, and some of you stopped on the other part. Say it. Speaking in tongues is for you. I don't care if you've been taught something else your whole life. I've showed you in Scripture today, speaking in tongues is for you. Don't believe me? Okay, let me give you one more Scripture. Acts 2.39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts 5.32, we are His witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey Him. The evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is that you will do something supernatural. You will speak in tongues. Remember, it is impossible for God to fill you with His Spirit if you refuse to yield. Nobody can be filled with self and with God at the same time. Well, I just hit on a nerve. I felt it. I love you, but you got to give it up. You cannot speak in two languages at once. Tyresha, you and I, we come close sometimes. I, I'm always teasing between German and Spanish, and sometimes I say, das es bueno. This is good. And they laugh at me. But you really can't speak in two languages at once. You can only speak in one language. Sometimes we have a hard time speaking in one language. But you've got to yield. Since God will not take your vocabulary away, you must voluntarily yield yourself to His control. God does not speak in tongues. Are you with me? Did I lose everybody? Have, are you gone? God does not speak in tongues. People speak in tongues. People speak in tongues as His Spirit gives the words. We have to, the Scripture says, we have to become like a little child. We have to surrender. Does, does, it, does the Bible say that? I wish I could get an amen. The Bible says we have to become like little children. Surrender our tongue to the Spirit's control. Don't be afraid to speak in an unknown language. Well, I think it's going to be weird. People are going to listen to people. are going to hear me. It's going to sound weird. Of course people are going to hear you, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. 
You're going to speak in a language you've never spoken, and it's going to sound funny to you, but it's going to sound awesome to everybody else that's listening. I wish I could tell you what God's going to do in this house. Amen. If you'll become like a little child today, what an incredible experience it is to completely surrender to God and let Him fill you. Just ask and believe for God's gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to beg for it. Please don't come up here. Please, 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 please. No, that's not going to get you the Holy Ghost. He wants to give it to you. It is His gift. It is here today. All you have to do is receive it. I'm closing. I'm, go ahead and come to the music because if you don't come to the music, they'll think I'm going to keep preaching. A 2006 study by researchers at the University of Pennsylvania found that there may be a neurological parallel between what worshipers experience when they speak in tongues and what actually transpires psychologically in our brain. Scientists took brain images from worshipers as they were speaking in tongues and as they were singing. Comparing the two images, researchers discovered that the frontal lobes, the willful thinking part of the brain, were quiet as were the language center. Scans of people practicing uh, meditation and participating in other spiritual practices differed sharply. Radiology investigators observed increased or decreased brain activity by measuring regional cerebral blood flow with SPECT, which is single photon emission computed tomography. Don't ask me to explain that. But with SPECT imaging, while some of them were speaking in tongues, they were able to categorize this. In this study, you can read it for yourself. It's called the measurement of regional cerebral blood flow during glossolalia, a preliminary SPECT study. Co-authors are Andrew Newberg, Nancy Wintering, Donna Morgan, and Mark Waldman. I want you to notice what happens when somebody starts speaking in tongues. I want you to see how the brain works. I don't know. I don't know if I can make, you don't make this happen. But when you allow God to speak through you, amen, those frontal lobes, those willful thinking parts of the brain, you can see they are very active. You don't receive the Holy Ghost through your head, but you're going to receive the Holy Ghost through your heart today. Amen. You're going to receive it through your heart. The first thing you have to do is you have to be hungry for it. You have to want it. If you think that I'm just a complete nut job and I've lost my ever-loving mind, then you, you may not be interested today, but if you realize there's something here that I don't have and I want it, that's what you, come on, that's where you got to be at today. I want the Holy Ghost in my life. I want the power of God in my life. I don't care how many times you said, I want the Holy Ghost. Today, if you'll let go of some things, if you will repent and you will start forgiving some people in your life, letting go of some grudges, I'm telling you beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is going to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can't just figure it out. It doesn't all have to just make sense before you do it. That's just you trying to stay in control. You need to surrender that control to God who wants to give you His Spirit. But, but Pastor, I don't know if God really wants to give it to me. Would you stand? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to, just two scriptures and I'm done. I'm going to prove that God wants to give it to you. Luke eleven thirteen. 13, if ye then, being evil, 
know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Some of you in here, you're better parents than others. But there's no bad parents in here. There's nobody that doesn't want to give good gifts to your children. And you know how much you love your kids and want to give good gifts to them? The Scripture just told you He wants to give you the Holy Ghost even more than that. Acts 19, 2, He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto Him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost today. You're going to receive it today. You, you've got the key today. You've learned you can, you can let go of things through forgiveness, and you can let go of control, and you can let God have His way, and you are going to receive His Spirit today. It's not going to be something that you earn, but it's going to be something that He's promised, and it's going to happen to you today. Let me, let me just go even further. Some of you came today, and we already have, we've got a few people that are going to be baptized. I know for sure we've got at least two, maybe three or four that are going to be baptized today in the name of Jesus Christ. And guess what? I'm praying that if they haven't already received the Holy Ghost when they come up out of the water and start praising God, that they're going to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in a language that they've never learned before. Here we are. We're at the end. The end, but the beginning. I've given you enough scriptures. I've given you enough godly reasoning. Y'all ought to be ready to just run to this altar. You should be so excited. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you should be so excited that God wants to give you the Holy Ghost right now. I shouldn't even have to say this altar's open. You should be like, I'm coming. I am getting the Holy Ghost today. God has promised me this gift. I wonder if there's anybody in here today that wants what God has for you. If you do, why don't you step out of your seat? Why don't you walk up to this altar and say, God, I want everything that you have for me. I've felt you before. I've felt your presence. But I want your presence on the inside of me. I want your spirit on the inside of me. I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready to let go. Come on, somebody. I wonder if there's anybody in this house today that would just let go and let God. Amen? Let go and let God. You don't get points for standing and staring. You get points when you respond. God says, I want to give it to you if you'll ask in faith. I want to bless you if you'll trust me and you'll let me have control.